I'm talking with a uh, composer extraordinaire, Paul Leonard Morgan. Uh, Paul is behind the music of the hit show MI5, uh, or Spooks, as it's known in the UK by its original title, and the hit film Limitless, among other many films and projects. He's the man behind Dread. Uh, so how are you doing, Paul? I'm doing good. Oh, what was that? That's the finished upload off to the next job. I'm sorry, excuse the sound. <laughs> no problem. Uh, I'm doing good. Thanks, man. Um, thanks. Uh, thanks. Glad to have you back. Uh, firstly, congrats on the amazing reviews the film is getting. It's always a boost to see. I guess everyone is really enjoying the film. It's uh, like 85, 90% on Rotten Tomatoes, something like that. It is crazy. Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's one of those films where you don't know how it's going to do. It gets released in the US tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And they started it off uh, by launching it in the UK two weeks previously. Right. And... It was a kind of a bit of a soft release around the rest of the world. But it's a hardcore 18 or an R in the US. Um, and it really, really is hardcore. And that's what they went for right from the outset. Right. So I think it's interesting because it will automatically cut off, you know, so many people from actually going to be able to go and watch it. But yet it's still reached number one in the UK box office. And the word of mouth critically that it's getting has just been absolutely phenomenal. I don't think you know, we all knew that we had a really special movie that we worked on genuinely. Mm -hmm. it's, it's like nothing creatively that I've ever worked on before, but you never know how it'll actually go down. So. Right, right. Um, so, I mean, you're working on a, it, it's a remake of Judge Dredd. Everyone knows the uh, original. No, it's, not, it's not a remake of Judge Dredd. Re it's a reboot. Like genuinely, genuinely, it's got absolutely nothing to do with the original whatsoever. The original, yeah, for those that don't know, Dread is a comic book character in the UK. Right. It's the longest running UK uh, comic book. It's been going for, I think, 25 years this year, um, done by 2000 AD. And there was a film in the mid-90s with Sylvester Stallone, which um, I still haven't actually seen most of it. I've seen about five minutes of it. But okay. uh, the fans didn't particularly like it. Uh, there were various things that just didn't work with it. So uh, this is now kind of 15, 16, 17 years on, whatever. Right. It's, so it really hasn't got anything to do with that whatsoever. The only similarities that it's got is that it's based on the same comic book. So for part of your research, if you didn't even see the film, did you go back to the comics or did you just tackle this on as just look at the script and as a character? I grew up with the comics. Um, obviously, kind of, I was brought up in the UK mm -hmm. and it's impossible not to be aware of them. <laughs> you know, it's the equivalent of Superman or Spider-Man or whatever. Right. And, um, you know, and I was never a big, I've never been kind of on the fanboys. You won't catch me at Comic-Con kind of, you know, yeah, yeah. wearing my tight spandex, <laughs> um, unless it's bribery. But um, the, you know, I, I used to read them in the UK and, you know, I'm aware of the characters. So, yeah, I went back and had a look at some of them, did some research, but really, you know, my take on it was, I wanted to do a completely different comic, but it's not, as I say, it's not a superhero movie. It's right. a big, glossy Hollywood movie. It is really gritty. It's really industrial. And I just wanted to create a completely different sound for it. Um, and speaking to the producers as well, you know, everybody just wanted to bring something completely different to this so that it's not just a typical Hollywood com comic book remake. And the score is not a typical Hollywood score, and I think that's one of my favorite. I, I really loved it, and I think one of the how I, excited I was is that this is hundred percent your voice. It was great because you can tell it was the you know from the guy who did Limitless. I could I could feel different uh, tones and textures of yours, and um, and it's so rare these days. I bring it up because you hear you go see a, a blockbuster, and it sounds like Inception. It sounds like you know Dark Knight. Um, 
and I love Hans to death, but to hear these scores kind of copying after another, did you, and it just seems like you felt the freedom to just do whatever you want. Did you really escape the the dreaded, no pun intended, uh, temp track, the temp track, the no temp track hangover. I didn't, I didn't detect any temp track hangover in your music. Uh, the, it, there's a room for every sort of score in every film, genuinely. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I came onto this film last, God, it was almost a year ago, it was last August I had the initial meetings with right. Andrew McDonald, Alon and Alex Garland. Um, and we discussed what we wanted to achieve and, it was exactly the same thing. They said, look, we don't want a big orchestral soundtrack. We know you can do that. You know, we know know you've done your big orchestra soundtracks, but what we want to do with this isn't that. We want something completely different in the same way that visually it's stunning. We want something musically stunning that's totally unique to this film. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, I was like, okay, I accept the challenge, you know, but you'd say, so you start off and as I say, and you do research. And for me, the thing about Dredd, he's a comic book character, for, for those that don't know, he's, he's a comic book character. He is the judge. He is the law. And he's it's set 100 years in the future. And everything is very black and white. If you've broken the law, then you go into the ISO cubes. You know, you're, you're off to jail. Or you get killed, whatever. Um, and if you're good, then he doesn't touch you. He doesn't. There's no kind of gray area between it. Everything is black and white. And it's very hard to empathize with someone who, even if, if someone's broken the law for you know, for the right reasons almost, doesn't matter. You know, Jed, Dread will kill you or Dread will send you off to the cubes. Mm-hmm. So it's, with that in mind, it's very hard to empathize with a character like that. And also he wears a helmet, which he never takes off. So again, how do you get the audience to emotionally identify with a character like that if you can't even see the guy's face? Right. And that was always something in the comic books that, you know, he never took off his helmet. So, you know, we discussed this and, you know, I said, look, you, you need some sort of thematic material in there. You can't just have, it's great having a kind of, you know, soundscape kind of score, but you've got to have something that people can connect to it. So I started off doing this guitar soundtrack, kind of indie band, quite rough, grungy kind of stuff. And it felt, it just felt almost too overly produced. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in the same way you'll go and watch, uh, I don't know. God, I can't even think, but you, you will have a kind of pop band playing underneath the track and they'll license off a track to it. Right. Just felt again too glossy, and I really wanted to make it. You know, set in a hundred years' time, it's a dystopian time. It's a time when you know, there's lawless, lawlessness all around the place. Um, you picture it sort of like apocalyptic wasteland, almost yeah. tumbleweeds blowing. But here are these huge high rises in the middle of nowhere. Um, so I was like, right, let's do something industrial. Let's do something that's you know, really creepy. That's got touches of modern day sounds but also touches of futuristic sounds so you know i didn't want it i didn't want it to be placed in any particular time um so i just i went and started mucking around with sounds and the the john carpenter scores of the 80s i always used to think were absolutely amazing Mm -hmm. yeah yeah um and i know kind of the electro stuff isn't for everybody and i know synth stuff isn't for everybody but for me what was great about john carpenter scores was they scared the hell out of you while creating. Sometimes they didn't do an awful lot, but every time there was a note that was there, it was there for a reason. So I thought, well, how can I take something like that and bring it up today? So, yeah, and that was the whole thing, trying to empathize with Dread. It was like, okay, well, let's have that, but let's have a theme. So the theme I ended up putting on this really stonking kind of distorted fuzz bass sound, and that was Dread's theme. It's like, here's this guy, he's on his Lawmaster, which is the, the bike that he has, the motorbike, 
And yeah, that, and, and that was his thing. It's like this kind of real thumping four bar bass line that goes around and then trying to develop that into you know, other motifs. Mm-hmm. And uh, this, the film is very uh, super stylized and visually just, you know, complete, you know, amazing visuals and, and, and visual effects. How, how much did that influence the mu- your music when you looked at the film and said, did that, did you come on during pre-production or did you come after everything was shot? So the film was in production. It was shot, what are we in now, September 2012. They finished the shoot in January 2011. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, for DNA, this was the film company's big deal because it's the biggest indie film they've ever done. It's like $50 million, I think. And um, so you know, for them, it was a case of, okay, well, they need, you know, it's not high budget. It's not a low budget. It's a high budget for the UK. But in general, you know, it's, it's a medium budget film. But what they wanted to achieve with it for things like comic books and stylizing it and so on, they have been so incredibly clever. They shot a lot of it in South Africa, most of it in South Africa. Uh, they had a lot of the crew that did District 9. Um, and then they basically created, a, you know, grabbed a whole load of people and created all these visual effects. Mm-hmm. Not the shoestring budget, but, you know, trying to, they were very clever with the kind of shots that they wanted to go for and what was realistic in the budget. Right. So when you say did it affect the music, some of it did, some of it didn't. But, you know, I was working on it. It took four months to do this score. Wow. You know, Limitless was about three weeks, you know. Yeah, that's a, that's a lot more than usual. <laughs> Can my next one be two months? That'll be fine. Um, <laughs> But yeah, so it was like, well, during the four months, you see the visual effects. Every cut that you're getting is changing and changing and changing. Right. I think it was about two months in, and I suddenly saw some of these animatics, which was suddenly being, there was, you know, begin with, it was diagrams. Um, it's, a, it's a drug called slow-mo, mm-hmm. is the main part of the plot. It was about this drug, which basically, when you take it, makes everything feel a thousand times slower. So if you move your hand, you know, and it takes five seconds, if you had this drug slow-mo, it would feel like it, it took forever just to move your hand. And finally, when I saw these animatics changing, it was like then it became almost comic booky as the drawings are then being turned into visual effects. So it's a fascinating thing to work to. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from that point of view, the visual effects itself, the main thing that inspired the music was, again, the use, Anthony Dog Mantle's incredible cinematographer. Right. Um, he did Slumdog, you know, Oscar winner. He's just absolutely phenomenal. And they used this camera, which slowed everything down by, again, I, I can't remember what it was, but it was something like 10,000 frames a second, right? Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. It's absolutely phenomenal. There's one of these cameras in the world, and they, they took it off to South Africa, and they shot these beautiful, beautiful scenes where everything is in slow-mo. And whether it's someone with a bullet through his head or whether it's someone just moving their hand. Um, it's just, it's absolutely stunning, things that you can do in slow-mo. And so I spoke to Alex Garland, and, you know, and we're chatting away, and you know, we discovered this piece of software called Pool, uh, Pool Stretch, which everyone knows as Justin Bieber's track slowed down. If you look on <laughs> YouTube, you'll find this thing for Justin Bieber slowed down by a 1,000%. And well done, Justin. You actually sound beautiful for change. Very good. <laughs> But yeah, and we thought this is a really, really interesting approach. You get this, everything's very ethereal, very ephemeral, it's visceral, the images. How can we achieve this with music? So I started mucking around with the sounds on this um, and just tried slowing music down by, I think, yeah. say about 1500%. And it's weird. It's very granular. Mm-hmm. 
um, again, you know, you can have one second of a keyboard and suddenly that's lasting 1500 seconds. So then you're trying to work out which bit you want to use. Some of it, some instruments work better than others. Um, and so I just started experimenting. It's the wonderful thing about having the time to play with on the score. It was just like started mucking around with sounds. So I ended up writing a song. Yeah, got a vocalist in because the vocals sound better than just with, with no vocals on. I thought that's particularly beautiful. Mm -hmm. um, and it's weird talking about beauty because it's such a dark, dark film right, with right, yeah. a lot of violence and gore. But this was the total contrast to it because my feeling was that when they're taking slow-mo, this is their escape from the darkness of this world. So I want it to them to feel as if they've escaped the darkness of Mega City 1. This is their, you know, their moment. So... So yeah, so I recorded the song, slowed it down by, it was, I think the actual time was about 1,200% or something. Wow. Picked the total part that I wanted for it and then started recording real stuff over the top of that. So real instruments over slowed down stuff with a whole load of 80s analog synths crunched up. And it's just, for me, you know, it's something completely different. And that working hand in hand with the visuals is one of the most stunning bits of the cinematic experience for me that, you know, that, that I've seen working in that because it's the images with the music for two and a half, three minutes, and you just get sucked into this completely different world. And what they've done in the 3D, and I'm not never 100% sold on 3D, but in mm -hmm. Dread, the 3D really does work when they use it because it was done specifically for this. Right, so you right. go in 3D with this really mucked up surround mix going on with this weird sound. It just it sucks you into a different world. So... Yeah, so, so it was really cool being inspired by those visual effects to actually go off and try experimenting something in music. And so, now, I mean, you talk about the visuals and working with the, with the music, but with an action film, it's, it's going to be loud, it's going to be gunshots, and you're going to be competing with sound effects. Does that, does that affect the way you write when you're working with the sound design team and, and the way you're mixing the score and everything? Absolutely. I mean, if you speak to <laughs> Rupert Coulson, who mixes all my scores and he's a fantastic guy over at Air Studios in London and um, <laughs> he was like well we've kind of got there's one sequence called mini guns which mm -hmm. goes for about I think it's two minutes and it's just solid machine gun fire you know and pick any single machine gun that you can think of and it's there and it's pounding and it's pounding and it's pounding and he goes well how are we going to compete with that and I was like well look you don't want to compete with it. You want to be working hand in hand with it. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because if you don't have music in it, it really does miss it, even though it's just, you know, pounding assault on your senses. Right. So I went down a total dance route and said, look, let's just get people really pumped here. Let's get you know, a really good riff going. And I think one of the reviews said that it's like as if Tron had been made by, was it if the Tron soundtrack had been recorded by Kasabian, I think how they did it. So it was like a car meets uh, modern dance tracks. But it was really cool because then it's just going underneath it and it's pounding away. And then when it's not there, it suddenly gives you five seconds of space and then the music kicks in again and then we're off again. And it's just to try and help lift, I suppose, the dynamic and the arcs and the curves of those kind of scenes. Because a two minute, two and a half minutes of just pounding incessant machine gun fire is a lot for the audience to take. So you're just trying to help kind of emphasize certain moments, but at the same time, give the audience a really good ride when they're in there at the cinema. Because for me, that's what it's about when you go and watch a film. You want escapism, you want to really, you know, whichever kind of film it is, mm -hmm. I will be sucked into this journey so I forget what's going on in the outside world. And, uh, which it does, I mean, the, the music itself just sucks, I mean, sucked me in, it was. <laughs> it sucks, does it? <laughs> no, 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 it doesn't suck, it sucks you in. <laughs> But uh, but notice notice noticing your style very similar between Limitless and and Dread, 
Um, would you say that music has to be more precise in an action film versus uh, a drama like Limitless? But Limitless was very, you know, very sharply edited too, um, and your electronic sounds and everything is does action require more precise music because of all the fast-paced editing? It depends which way you score it. You can go down the Elfman route and have every single hit done, yeah, mm. which is absolutely phenomenal, works brilliantly. You've got another side, which is where you might as well just license a track and go and stick on a track underneath your three-minute shoot-em-up sequence, right. which again works fine. Um, for me, I like a halfway house, which is where you know, you're really sort of getting the audience in there give them a breathing space at certain points, then get that hit point where you're whacking it again. Um, that's for the big action sequences. But I mean, something that was really, really, I mean, interesting about the Dread score was, again, working hand in hand with Alex, was Alex said, you know, every, he knew my score back to front after a month and a half. Mm -hmm. He knew every single note that was in it, which again is, I mean, he could tell me where a hi-hat was. He would say, you know, that's a 15 minutes, three seconds and two frames, that hi-hat there, let's remove that one hi-hat. And I go, oh, come on, really? <laughs> really? You know, like, but genuinely, it's incredible because then you've got this collaboration going on. And I go, okay, well, I'll see your hi-hat, but let's try this here. Mm -hmm. and, and by the end of the four months, what I love about these kind of collaborations is you don't actually know how you achieved what, what you've done almost. You just sit back and go, I don't know what got me into that zone. But at the end of it, wow, that is something completely different. So going back to your question about the scoring process, Alex was so hands-on creatively with me, kind of working out what should be going on where, um, that by the end of it, you really were hitting individual individual things when he moves the gun, mm -hmm. when he goes up to the face. And then going back to the John Carpenter scores, it's the same kind of thing. You've got individual sounds that I was creating for an individual raise of a gun. And I might have sampled up the sounds of the gun, mucked around with it, reversed it, and was then using it as a really kind of weird soundscapey kind of thing mm -hmm. through the pool stretch thing as well. You know, so it's like things like that people won't understand. But for me, it's all integral to what makes the score. It gives it a unique sound. But in the end, every single motion that was going on might have one sound and then there's no other sound going on for five seconds. Mm -hmm. standalone soundtrack some of the things for me would sound weird but you suddenly see it tied in with picture and it's you suddenly understand why those sounds are there right well it's it's uh a lot to take in the music and the film and it's uh i congratulate you with everything that you guys did it's a pretty big accomplishment and congratulations on the success in the uk and i can't wait to see, you know when it opens up here on Friday, and uh, but it's always great to talk to you, Paul. I love talking with you, and I love your your music. So thank you so much for doing this. No worries, man. Good speech to you. See you soon.